بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا سکس آف جولائی ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu so we're going through the endless section with regards to a few of his choices to words of wisdom so the next subheading entitled the disaster on breaking family ties so in a hadith in Tabarani Talghib number 2214 Al-Hatami in Majma Az-Zawaid volume 8 page 151 stated Sahih Hayat As-Sahaba volume 2 page 578 Al-A'amash Rahmatullah alayhi he said Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu was sitting in a circle of men after the Salat of Fajr he thereupon said I now adjure you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Let the man who severs ties leave us. For we now intend to make a dua to our Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed the gates of the upper realms do not open for the one who severs the bond of kinship. So let's look at this. So this is a sahih hadith in Tabarai. So Fajr, an auspicious time, the, uh, Ibn Mas'ud, he wants to make a dua. Now, he did not want to make a dua with a person amongst the gathering who had broken ties of kingship because the duas do not get answered with those people in your presence. Because he said, the gates of the upper realms do not open for the one who severs the bond of relationship. Indeed, in one report, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, إِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ لَا تَنْزِلُ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ فِيهِمْ قَاطِئُ الرَّحِمِ Verily the angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, do not descend upon a people amongst whom is a person who was cut off the bonds of relationship. This is in Tabarani, Targheeb number 2216. So look at the reports. One report, Sayyih mentions that the dua will not get answered because of that person in your gathering. The second report says the angels of mercy don't descend amongst the people who breaks the ties of kinship. This dos is the deprivation of the one who merely sits next to this unfortunate. Then what about the unfortunate himself? So this is the key point. If you look at both of the reports, they're not talking about the individual. They're talking about the individuals who are sitting with that person and they are deprived. So the question to pose is, if I'm being deprived of person X, then what is his state? The people's focus would do shift on mass from one's family to one's wealth. As Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he highlighted, family ties will be severed. To the extent that the rich will only fear poverty 
and the poor will thus have nobody to show compassion towards them. Indeed, even if a person had to place his need before his own brother or cousin, none would still show a bit of sympathy to give him anything. This is in Abu Na'im al-Hiliya, volume 9, page 249, Ayat al-Sahab, volume 2, page 357 of the New English Translation. So what's happened? So Ibn Masood is talking about what's causing this. Ibn Masood is saying that wealth is a cause of the breaking of family ties. Wealth. How? Because the wealthy will only fear for their wealth. They'll be concerned about their wealth. And they will actually think that the poor ones are either after their wealth or they're going to harm their status with their wealth. So Ibn Masood then said, then a time will come where even a brother will be asking and his own brother won't give him. A cousin will be asking and a cousin will not give. So this is the knock-on effect. And aren't we seeing this on a grand scale? You know, how many times do you see people giving lavishly to other causes and then you find out that he's not giving to his own family who are also in need. As the saying goes, charity begins at home. Al-Kama, his famous student, he said, Rahmatullah a man once came to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and asked, should I seek permission to enter into the presence of even my own mother? Ibn Mas'ud answered, it is not at all times or in all conditions that your mother would look for you to see her. So of course you must ask permission. This is recorded by Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah in his checking of Bukhari's Al-Dabul Muflad number 1059. He graded it Sahih. So this is a very good question. You, there's no, you know, you can sit with your mother, you can mix with your mother, everybody knows this. But the question was, can I just enter? She's my mother. Do I need to ask permission? Do I have to knock, ask, give permission? And then he responded, Ibn Masood. He goes, do you think that every moment she would love for you to see her? Meaning there may be a moment where she's, you know, maybe partially undressed. And if you just walk straight in, he goes, it's going to cause tension and embarrassment. So he explained, you need to ask permission, even if you go to your mother's dwelling. In a similar report, a man could not understand the wisdom of this. Thus he persisted in asking no other than our beloved messenger. And our beloved messenger finally responded, Would you like to see her naked? The man said, No, of course not. Rasulullah thereupon said, Then ask permission to enter into her presence. This is recorded in Imam Malik's Muwatta, Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar in his At-Tamheed 16-229 stated, Mursal Sahih. So the Prophet explained the wisdom. You don't want to catch your mother in a, you know, in a compromising situation, as they say. So again, this is very important in terms of the etiquettes of your family members. Thus, Abdullah ibn Masood's wife, Sayyidah Zainab al-Thakafiyah said, when Abdullah would return from some business, he would clear his throat, he'd cough, and he would spit sometimes to announce his presence, not wanting to rush into our presence, and thereupon see something that he did not like. This is recorded in Abu Dawood, number 3883, 
Ibn Imaj, number 3530, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 3615, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 4-217, Sahih, Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, number 5208, and Shaykh al Bani stated Sahih in As Sahiha, number 331. So even your own family, you don't just enter. <laughs> See, these are just things that we don't even think about. You just enter your dwelling. You should make, you know, your presence known. <laughs> so now, what's interesting? The Prophet ﷺ, he didn't even like to return from a journey at night. He would rather wait until the morning. And in one report he explained, he said, it gives time for the females to prepare. Why? Because if you come at night, you know, unannounced, they're not even ready. So he goes, that, so that's another sunnah. So during the night, some of the scholars who are very particular don't even come at night. They'll wait until Fajr, they'll go to the masjid. And after the Fajr, they'll go back to their dwellings. Though you're not sinful if you do it. But here, Ibn Mas'ud wouldn't just enter. He would make sure that they know that he's there before he enters. So note, he's giving instruction with regards to family. So now there's a fitna in family. In fact, there's a direct hadith where the Prophet said, family is fitna. So now, why is that a very important hadith? <laughs> because I'll explain the dreaded fitna in one's family and wealth. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he clarified a very important factor in this regard when he said, there is none amongst you, but there is something that represents a fitna for him. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited, Surah Al-Taghabun, Surah 64, verse 15, Adhu billahi min Innama amwalukum wa awladukum fitna. Verily, your wealth and your children are only a fitna. He explained, Therefore, it is essential that when you seek refuge, seek it with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the fitna that causes misguidance, i.e., and not the fitna itself, for this will harm your family. So let's look at this. So in this report, in Ibn Jarir Ibn Katiz Tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud is commenting upon a verse. And the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily your wealth and your children are a fitna. So those two things are precious to us. Our wealth is precious and our children. But Allah Ta'ala goes, there's a fitna in them. But then he gave a very important clarification. It is essential that when you seek refuge, you don't seek refuge from fitna. <laughs> you seek refuge from the fitna that causes misguidance. Why? Because if you make a dua like this, for example, protect me from the fitna, and that's it. You've asked Allah to harm your children wealth. Because Allah Ta'ala has called them fitna. So you should rather say, protect me from the fitna associated with wives, children and wealth. So again, we don't even know how to make dua. I've heard people say this. And they ask for fitna. You know what you just asked for? You just asked to harm your wife, your children, your wealth. Because I said fitna. 
Kur'an kozdum fitna. <laughs> but I don't mean it. <laughs> you never ask for protection from fitna. To seek refuge from fitna. You seek refuge from the fitna associated with the wife, children and wealth. Why? Because you want goodness for them. For if this dua is answered, it harms one's wife, children and wealth. So let me be very blunt with you. How many people have harmed their own families? You know, I would say a very high percentage. Ya Allah, protect me from fitna. Never say amin to that. Hey, I'm going to what fitna, brother? You know, fitna, brother, you know, fitna. And he goes, what's fitna? And then he doesn't even know what he's asking for. He goes, Dajjal. And he goes, okay, what else is fitna? And he goes, punishment of the grave. MashaAllah, what else is fitna? Why is the last thing on his tongue, women, children and wealth? Wife, children and wealth. Quran calls it fitna. You can't argue with that. You ask protection from them. And he goes, so there you go. You might have harmed them. Astaghfirullah. Clarifying further. In Tirmidhi, number 3328, Hassan Sahih. Hakim in his Mustadrak, 2-490 Sahih. Zahibi Sahih. Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Katir Tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he was asked about this verse. Surah Al-Taghabun, Surah 64, verse 14. Audhu Billahi Rajim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu inna min azwajikum wa awladikum aduwallakum fahdharukum fahdharuhum O you who believe verily amongst your wives and your children are enemies to you those beware of them so Allah Ta'ala not only calls them fitna because they're an enemy there's enemies amongst your wife and beware of them Ibn Abbas explained, this verse referred to some men of Makkah who embraced Islam. However, when they wanted to migrate to Rasulullah in Medina, their wives and children prevented them from migrating. Later, when they eventually migrated, were delayed to the Prophet and they saw that others had learned a great deal about Islam. They then wanted to punish their wives and children. Hence Allah the Almighty revealed this verse. <laughs> o you who believe, verily amongst your wives and children are enemies to you. Beware of them. So what was the harm? The harm was not the wives and children. It was the fitna which was with them. The fitna was they prevented their uh, fathers or their husbands from migrating. So Allah Ta'ala says, make a dua to protect yourselves from that fitna. But not fitna itself. Have you understood? Allah Ta'ala is explaining. And specifically with regards to children, what's the fitna? So Rasulullah spelled it out. He said, children are a cause of grief, cowardice, ignorance, Children are a cause of grief, cowardice, ignorance, and miserliness. Four things. This is in Ibn Imajah, number 3666. Ahmad in his Muslim, number 17,562. The Baran, Shaykh al Baran, authenticates it in Sahih Uljan, number 1990. So let's explain. So the Prophet said, children, there's four problems with children. The first is grief. So how on earth? 
your children cause you grief. So the scholars explain, when they fall ill, don't they cause you grief? Because yes. When they want something and you can't give it to them, doesn't that cause you grief? When they rebel as they grow, doesn't that cause you grief? Because that's the fitna, that's one. Number two, cowardice. They prevent you from jihad. Why? Shaitan whispers, if you die, your stepfather going to look after your kids. Because who's going to be a father to your children? So they're causing cowardice. Thirdly, ignorance. How do they cause ignorance? you got no time to learn. I want to spend time with my kids. That's the fitna. Preventing you from learning. And miserliness. Preventing under the pretext of giving, I will leave this for my children. <laughs> so the Prophet ﷺ, did he say children don't have children? No, he didn't say that. Did he say don't get married? He never said that. What he said وسلم, was, learn to understand there's fitna with your wives. There's fitna with your children. There's fitna with wealth. But these are blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what Ibn Masood was highlighting is, it is essential you seek refuge, seek it with Allah from the fitna that causes misguidance, not the fitna itself. So if you're going to ask protection from fitna, yeah, anything that causes misguidance, I ask protection from you, from that fitna, oh my Lord. And that will protect you, you're not going to harm anybody. Now what about wealth? What's the fitna with wealth? You've explained wife, you've explained children. Miqdam ibn Ma'di Qarib He relates to our beloved messenger said Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La yati yanna ala nasi zamanun La yanfa'u fihi illa dinaru wa dirham A time will come amongst mankind without doubt when nothing will benefit him but the dinar and dirham this is in Ahmed in his Musnad 4-133, Mishkat, numbers 2784. So hasn't the time come? Bartering is far less now. Before, you know, I can still remember when I was young, went back home and they were bartering. They'd give a grain of this for a haircut, a bag of this, you know, to do this. This is bartering. The Prophet said, a time is coming when nothing will benefit except the dinar and dirham, meaning it's all about mud. Now, what does that mean? Sheikh Nawab Muhammad Qutbuddin Khan Dehlawi in his commentary of Mishkat, Mazari Ihaq, number 2784, he clarified. He also said, a time would arrive when people would think only of wealth and expand the sphere of their needs so as to justify their need for further wealth. But paucity of funds would involve them in different kinds of difficulties. So the first clarification. What is the trick of shaitan? He gets you neck deep in wealth. Why? Because you start expanding your sphere of needs. I need this, I need that. And the response is, you don't need that. You think you need it. I need a 10-bedroom house. No, you don't need it. Right? I need, you know, Mercedes. You could argue with that. Right? But could you not make a notice? Why? So what happens? 
you expanding your sphere of needs what happens you now need money both paucity of funds leave you to a difficult then he said the sheikh as a result neither will they then pay any attention to learning nor will they respect the learned there's the fitna rather they will have only one goal money and they will esteem the wealthy See, the Prophet is giving you the answers. You need to elaborate. I accept that. Whatever the Prophet says, I accept. But I don't understand it. If a person asks politely, he goes, look, I accept that. We have to accept it. Fitna in my wives. What's the fitna in my wife? Fitna in my children. What's the fitna in the angels? The sinless. And what's the fitna in wealth? If you don't know, say, I don't know, brother. But if you want, this is the danger of fitna. This is the fitna of wealth. You increase your sphere of needs and then you will lose your you will stop paying attention to learning you haven't got time to learn people even say it i've heard people say it. i love to be like you brother yusuf what's stopping you but i've got too many you know pots <laughs> too many what was that who saying you came out with i've got too many hands in the in pots or something and i will not take a man and then he says money and then they will lose respect for learning isn't that true who are the ones who show the least respect for the ulama? Do you want? A person goes, why is that? Because their concern is wealth. There's nothing else. Sphere of needs. That's why zuhud is highly praised in Islam. Why? Because you're taking away the illness. I don't need this. I don't need that. Umar radiyallahu, what did he say? He said, cheapen things by abandonment. Now look how deep that statement is. If somebody says to you, how much is that uh, top of the range car from the showroom? And you say, 100 grand. And then you say, and he's, he's being serious, he's not joking. I want to buy it for a tenner. He goes, why did you say that? Not interested in it. So what's he doing? He's cheapened it. That product isn't worth it, but you're willing to pay for it. So Umar was saying, cheapen things. And that's why you notice when you're giving these things to the righteous, they don't even want it. Here's a house, what do I need a house for? Here's a car, what do I need a car for? Here's this, here's that. And, and then everybody goes, oh, look how pious they are. They're not, they just think, what's this you're giving me? More headache. Astaghfirullah. How true were the words of our beloved messenger as related by Buraydah radiallahu when he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna ahsaab ahli dunya alladhi yadhabuna ilayhi al Verily, the nobility of the people of this world, that which they always go to, is wealth. This is in Nasai, number 3227, Sahih. Ahmed in his Musnad, 5-353. Hakim in his Musnad, 2-163, Sahih. Zahabi, Sahih. Ibn Hibban in his Sahih, number 1233-4. So like I mentioned, I think I mentioned it yesterday or the night before. This is a false standard. Why? Because the Prophet said, Ahli dunya. He didn't praise, not praise. Because this is the nobility of the people of dunya. They will always go to, what is it? Mal. If you're a person of dunya, mal is a standard. If mal does not have a standard in your heart, you're not a person of dunya. But be honest, hand on heart, how many people do not look at wealth as a standard? You gotta be brutally honest. I'd say very, very few. You know, very small percentage. Meaning, most of us are ahl dunya. Our beloved messenger also warned, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There will come a time 
when the destruction of a man will be at the hands of his wife, his parents, his children, crippling him with poverty, costing him what he cannot tolerate, causing him to enter avenues in which his religion will be lost, he will ultimately perish. Astaghfirullah. So this is recorded by Al-Khatibi in his Al-Uzla, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya in the chapter on the etiquette of marriage, Hafiz Iraqi in his Al-Muhni, and Hamal Al-Asfar 2-29, Behaki in his Shu'ab al-Iman, Abu Nu'im, Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjal al-Rabi fi Thawab al-Amul al-Salih, number 1936, related as similar but longer report. So again, the Prophet is explaining the fitna. If I was to say to you, I know somebody is out to destroy you, would your mind immediately turn to your family? <laughs> Imagine somebody goes, oh, Astaghfirullah, it's your wife. You probably give her a black eye. Well, how do you know it's my wife? <laughs> Prophet said it. He goes, oh, no, 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 I made a mistake. It's not your wife. He goes, who is it? It's your kids. Another black eye. He goes, oh, no, no, I made another mistake. He goes, what is it? It's your uh, parents. <laughs> probably flying kick. <laughs> The Prophet said, what are you having to go at me for? Then what did the Prophet say? He will be crippled with poverty. Why? Because they're demanding. Then he will enter the haram, which will destroy him. Astaghfirullah. Subhanallah, how often does a youth, so let's turn to the youth, we're all aged. How often does a youth want to leave a haram income, such as dealing such as dealing in drugs, restaurants that serve wine, banks, insurance, etc. And what response does he get from who? Imagine, not the guy down the street, not Joe Bloggs, from his own family. What do they say? Could be his parent, could be his mother and father, could be his children, could be you know his wife. This is the statement they make. When a person genuinely wants to change, you can repent later when you get older. You can do it now, make your cash, and then you become burg. Or they say, nothing's halal, everything's haram. You're living with kafir. Or you want to become a Molvi. Is it Molvi time? Get prayer, ma'a. Or we got no choice. We're living with the unbelievers. Or, so-and-so does the same job. Doesn't he know it's haram? He comes from a religious family. Or, leave that job. If you leave that job, get out of this house. <laughs> Parents, obviously, classic. How utterly sad it is his own flesh and blood that lead him to his destruction. Imagine. Not an end. This is the fitna. His own flesh and blood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves. Ameen. So note, are we, and the reason we, we can acknowledge this because we know this is the situation. In time of the Prophet, maybe far less. But he's talking about our time. And somebody goes, that's the fitna. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get married. No, you do get married. You do have children. Because some people go to the other extreme. Forget that. I'm not going to get married. My wife's going to destroy me. I'm not going to have kids. They're going to destroy me. Is that what the Prophet told you? What he's saying is, seek refuge from the fitna of your wife. Not from your wife. From the fitna of your children. Not from your children. From the fitna. 
Fitna of wealth, not wealth. From the fitna of wealth. And when you make these du'as, Allah Ta'ala will help you. But sometimes you're adding fuel to the fire. <laughs> you know, they're taking to, and then you're putting paraffin on it. What's happening here? <laughs> and to conclude, in contrast, let's look at Ibn Mas'ud. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he once saw a son of his wearing a garment made of silk. He ripped it and said, this is only for women. <laughs> this is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, number 24,655 or 5-152. Now what's interesting, he didn't say take it off, sell it, give it to your auntie, <coughs> you know, do something with it. Look what he did. He ripped it. <laughs> Then he told him afterwards, this is only for women, son. So what standard had he set in his own house? Don't even think about it. Right? And this is a good thing. And we thus earnestly beg our loving and exalted Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from all fitna which are associated with our families and wealth. Amen. So note the great Ibn Mas'ud. Is it not true that he's guiding us? Is it not true that he's talking about the more important things about deen? These are very important matters. These aren't things that it doesn't concern me, brother. Don't these things concern us? Everything he's talking about is just pure guidance. And this is why the Prophet said, believe whatever he tells you. Believe. Because he's the one to follow. You follow him. The great Ibn Mas'ud. So all I mentioned today was basically family and also wealth and related matters are in terms of fitna. Are there any questions we let us? So one of you have these one Allahumma bihamdika ashru la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitan rajeem subhanallahi wa bihamdika ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka atubu ilaika wa billahi minash bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr insan lafi khusr alladhina amilu wa amilu salihat wa asbal haq wa rahmanir sabr sadaqallahu wa